Hello, and welcome once again to Learning Digital Photography. I'm your host, Jason Anderson. And I'm Carrie Garrison with Camera Dojo. Carrie, welcome back to the show. Good to have you on the show again this week. I'm glad to be back. How you doing? Doing pretty good. It's been a while since we've talked last. Oh, been gosh. what? Been um been about three weeks? Three or four oh, weeks? When we do our last podcast? podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. been a yeah. little bit. We were talking 30 seconds ago, folks, so... <laughs> As referring to our podcast conversations. Yeah, it's yeah, been so, a couple weeks. Yeah, it has been a couple of weeks. We're on episode, I've lost track now, I think we're on episode 48 now for Learning Digital Photography. And uh, awesome. yeah, we are keep on ratcheting up. And we're going to be getting the uh, RSS feed fixed here shortly, I promise you. Uh, we're, we're still working on fine-tuning that to get everything to roll over so it stays straight. When it does, though, the count is going to switch back again, so it's going to go back to including all the previous video tutorials that I'd done as a podcast feed. So the count will jump from 47, 48, wherever we are now, up probably close to, closer towards the hundreds. So when you see the count change, that is not an apparition. It did actually change back to the original RSS feed. On this week's show, we got a lot to talk about. We've got some photography news. we got some listener questions and answers. And the big thing we're talking about is photography and blogging. And uh, we're going to talk about one of the most popular templates out there. The most popular template is called WordPress. And we're going to go talk a little bit about the ins and outs of that, some of the features of WordPress, some of the benefits, some of the downsides, and how you can configure that. We're going to go into a little detail on how each of us sets up our own site. All that's coming up right after this, so don't go away. Welcome back to the show. As I mentioned in the teaser, we are going to be talking about some news, but there's really only one big piece of news that I wanted to bring into the podcast show this week because we wanted to, we did want to spend most of our time talking about blogging and uh, photography and how those two interact, specifically talking about how to configure things inside of WordPress. But the one news item I did want to share with the listening audience is a new lens that was introduced by Sigma. What was it? The 14th, 15th? When did, when did that come out? Just a couple well, days ago. A couple days ago. A couple days ago. It's this new uh, Sigma lens. It's a. It's a. St they call it a standard zoom lens. It's a seventeen to what was it? Seventeen to fifty 50. or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Seventeen to fifty. The Canon eighteen to fifty-five always throws me. So it's the Sigma seventeen to fifty, and it's got an alphabet soup of letters after it. It's. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get this right. The seventeen to fifty OSHSMEXDC. FG, is that what it is? Okay. You read all the letters. You did it like super fast. It's the 1750F28EXDCOSHSM with FLD. <laughs> it's, I really think that hits almost every letter in the alphabet. It's almost. Almost. <laughs> almost every letter. We're going to go over each of these letter sets and what they mean. The first one is OS, and that's Optical stabilization. That's what IS is on the Canon lenses, the image stabilization. If you're an icon shooter, it's vibration VR. reduction, VR. So for the Sigma lenses, they refer to it as optical stabilization or OS. Which so is that, really interesting to see on a lens of this zoom range. Well, you know what? I thought so too, but then I remembered that Canon had the 18 to 55 IS. So I think this is probably going to be the competitor to that because it's got just about the same focal range and it's meant to 
be, I guess, the the, the sigma response to the Canon lens. Although, I don't know because that Canon lens is it's basically a high end kit lens. Right. I mean, it comes with a lot of the kits. Now it takes great pictures and it's pretty sharp, but it's not an f two eight. Right. And this is definitely a step up in being an f two eight. It's almost a in their pro series lineup. It is almost the and the it's, DC, and it's almost a thousand bucks. That's the other thing I was going to say. The price is nine hundred and eighty dollars, so it's not like this is the cheapest lens on the planet either. And you said the DC is, and that's the other designation that's kind of an indication of it because that means it's what optimized for digital. Like D- DC stands for digital compatibility or something like that. Yeah. DC for digital, digital camera compatibility. I forget what it stands for. So that was the second acronym. But yeah, it's it's just weird to see a lens, including optical stabilization, having that DC designation and seeing that price point in this focal range. Because right. usually if you see a zoom, it's going to be proportionally lower in price. Now a prime yeah, you're going to see a bump in the overall uh, price because you're going, to, you're going to have better quality optics because it's a fixed focal range where you can't zoom in and out. You're zooming with your feet. So I'm not sure. I guess you said this is not one of their Pro Series lenses, or it is? Well, uh, you know, normally their Pro Series have, like, the gold, bar, uh, gold ring around them, and this one doesn't. But, you know, it is their ex line and so, i don't know what that is what is okay. the ex well, line the ex is that it's their superior build and optical quality so i mean that's basically their their higher end lenses i mean obviously i mean it's a thousand dollar lens so i mean this is one of their top of the line you know lenses it's right. not a cheap lens and sure. it's got hsm which is the hypersonic motor which means it's super quiet and right. and that, and that's kind of like that. Is it called HSM on the Canon bodies too? I think it's US, HSM on no, USM ultrasonic on Canon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's so that's the acronyms. OS it means it has optical stabilization. DC means it's digital camera ready. Uh, the EX means the exterior. Well, here it is actually from the Sigma site. EX right. lens means the exterior of this lens is. EX finished to denote the superior build and optical quality and to enhance its appearance. And actually, that's one of the things I really like about Sigma lenses just as an overall maker of lenses is I really like that grip, that mm-hmm. that the kind of non-slip feel. It's like when you grab it, you know you're grabbing it. You know It's not going to slip around. It doesn't have a plasticky feel at all. It's got that very professional grade quality finish to it. I have it on my Sigma 70 macro and it's just awesome. That lens is a beast too. Have you ever shot with that? <laughs> That's a heavy lens. I shoot with Sigma lenses. I shoot with the 2470 most of the time mm-hmm. and I, I just tested out the, the new the new version of the 2470 which was great along with the 7300 and you... then next week I'm going to be trying out the 35 millimeter prime and the 105 Ooh. macro. Oh, I see. I've not tried the 35 prime or the 105 macro, but I've really not seen a need to try the 105 macro because the 70 macro on my crop sensor camera on my 40D is pretty much at the 100 ma- macro range at that point anyway. You're right. So, and what I on do a full like frame, so the, the Canon 100 millimeter macro is considered a really good portrait lens 
and because it, you have a little bit of compression, people look a little bit nicer with that. So I'm, that's what I'm going to try and use it for. I'm going to try and see how that compares to using the Canon 100mm macro. And then obviously being able to do macro shots and stuff. I'm, it's because it's got a really short focal distance and things, mm-hmm. doing some of those ring shots, stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to trying those out. But this one, you know, a 1750 with optical stabilization, this, this sounds like a good lens. It does. It, it sounds like they're throwing a lot of features into it to appeal to the widest possible range that they can of photographers. That is, well, wh- by, why don't, by we, why don't we say features. where we would use a lens like this on my camera? Where would you <laughs> use the lens like this? Well, I mean, this isn't going to be a, a, a nature photog- a nature lens or a, a landscape lens. This is well, be- it's it's pretty. I don't know about that. It's With it being wide. as as wide as it is, I don't see it being exclusionary towards landscape photography. But I do see where you're going. How it probably would be most useful in doing portrait kind of work. The portraits. I mean, if if you're into having really good equipment to shoot your kids, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, uh, if, yeah, if yeah. If you're doing portraits, it... if you're doing uh, e- event photography mm-hmm. where you're close up to people, yep. this is going to be a good lens. And I think it'd be a good lens in that regard, primarily because not only of its range, but also because it's go it goes down to f two point eight, which means it's faster glass to begin with. And then adding in the optical stabilization means you're going to be able to handhold pretty low. So if you're at f2.8 in low light, you're going to be able to handhold, I would say, up close to a 30th of a second. Maybe, yeah, because it's not going to be that heavy. Exactly. Long. Right. So you're not going to have that offset weight to it. Which has always been the problem in the past with IS is that it adds weight to your lenses just because of the mechanics and the motors that are needed to have that in there, it kind of counter, it's kind of kind of productive in some of the longer lenses. So it really is hard to justify in, you know, something like, what do you call it? The, um, the 70 to 200, is it that Canon has the, the ISN, the IS adds so much weight over the non IS. I'm just like, oh. well, that's gonna pretty much <laughs> the added weight kind of reduces the impact the IS has in that. So. But yeah, getting back on the Sigma, having the OS, having the F2.8 makes it super fast, great and low light, great for portrait work, great for event work. That is the, um, I think the ultimate pinnacle that a lot of photographers are looking for is the ability to handhold. No, I don't think, I don't think I know anyone that likes shooting on a tripod anymore. No, no. But now, I might not use this for shooting a wedding ceremony. I'm going to want something with a little more reach. But the reception. Great lens. Oh, absolutely. Well, the reception is kind of what I was thinking in terms of event photography as well, because mm-hmm. that is more the event where you're running a gun and kind of going fast, going moment by moment, where you're not setting up a tripod and doing the the bride and the groom, and then the bride and groom, and the groom's family, and the bride and the groom, and the gro- and the bride's family. <laughs> you know, that's that that's more the portrait kind of setup where you are on a tripod, where you can get everything composed, you can get the lights up, get things set just the way you want them. Per- picture perfect ready to go you can't do that at the reception when everyone's on the dance floor doing their funky comedina or whatever and and, and you got to move and dance with them as you're taking the pictures so yeah that should be a great uh, lens in that capacity i've done a couple baptisms and a couple confirmations that um this range would work really well for too so i would definitely see that being a, a usable lens in that capacity did you have um anything any additional input you wanted to add on that carrie no no, I don't. 
No. It's, it's been – well, it's been a pretty quiet week. So as we were perusing the news stories, we were like, you know, the only thing that's really worth talking about right now is the uh, new signal lens that came out. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up for the news. Rather than doing another little segue out of here well, – what? Okay. Did you have some other news? Yeah, we might as what well was, throw it out there, right? Because what, what news there's did you certainly going to be photographers who are interested in the new phones. The new you phones? Got, you got the Droid X, the, the Vibrant, the Captivate, all these things that just came out this week. Did, did another phone come out this week? Yeah, someone well, someone came out with a new phone. Who was it? Was it? I mean, oh, yeah, it was Verizon. Have, you know, five and eight megapixel cameras. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that news bit. Forgot you know, about the they, news bit. Yeah. They do take terrific cameras, or they do take terrific pictures. <laughs> they they've got some good dynamic range. So if if you're looking for, you know, a phone that's got all the other features to it, your calendar, your contacts, being able to take the behind the scenes shots, the sure. setup shots. You know, you you take it out for scouting locations, or if you just don't want to carry a point and shoot, these new cameras. Uh, I got, or cameras can't call them cameras, but they're. These you know what? You know, I, th- I think you can call them cameras because I think a lot of people are getting these these smartphones or these PDAs or whatever you want to call them, whatever semantic you want to use. You want to use. I would say there's more interest in the cameras than there are in the phones at this point, because phones are phones. You know, there's nothing exciting about the phone part of a camera phone. Is there? I don't know. Is there anything you know, exciting about I, being able to I, talk to someone? Not so much. It's it's the smart. It's the smart side of the smartphone that makes it exciting. Exactly. It's, it's the camera and it's the apps and it's the OS and it's all the, the email and the Wi-Fi and the hotspot and the yeah. tethering and all that. That's what's making these things exciting. So I think we really can just refer to them as cameras. That oh, by the way, have a phone built in now too. <laughs> So certainly, certainly getting there. It, I uh, think it is going in that direction, but I think you hit on a valid point here about these new phones that are coming up because, like you said, the Droid X has eight megapixels, and you just picked, you just did a swap, didn't you? You went from your Samsung. I went from the My Touch 3G slide. To, yeah, to, the My Touch to the Vibrant. To, to the Samsung Vibrant. Yeah, and how long have you had that now? Let's see, thirty-six hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a long time. He's oh, he's wait, he's no, quite the pro on this yeah, now. Yeah, I got so. it yesterday morning, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yesterday morning. And everyone and we do actually talk fairly regularly because we are putting these workshops out that are coming up, which we'll get to in a minute. But well, we have talked digress. fairly but let's not digress because you know, we don't want to digress. But he's been talking to me about this phone pretty much since he got it. I got a text message yesterday morning that woke me up that said, I got a new phone and I was like, Oh great. Well, considering you're Tell an hour, ahead, I know, and I that know. was ten o'clock my anyway. Um, no, it wasn't. It was ten o'clock my time. <laughs> no, they didn't open till ten o'clock my time, so it had to be eleven o'clock your time. You see, uh, but we digress. Look, what I was, what I'm, and this is going to be this is going to be interesting because we're going <laughs> to go full circle with this and actually talk about uh, the blogging in and using. Yes, yes. There, there, there actually are some connection points, which is why I let him keep going on and not stop and restart the recording here, because this will come full circle. You'll see what we're talking about in a little bit. But, I, but I, yeah, if, the, if you're looking for that high-end functionality, if you're looking for the phone, you're looking for the camera, you're looking for you, all these things. And you don't want AT&T. <laughs> well, AT&T <laughs> has the, the new Samsung, Cap, Samsung Captivate. 
coming oh, out that's right. this weekend, which is a Galaxy S phone. And so that, I found that I found that interesting, given the whole iPhone debacle mm-hmm. that some people were dealing with. You know, with that antenna issue where they had that press conference yesterday. Did you catch that press conference yesterday with the iPhone? Well, today, yeah, this morning. Was it today? Oh yeah, because that's right. Because I'm releasing this on a Tuesday, so I'm thinking about the Tuesday publication date. But yeah, that was the other big part of the phone news this week was that Apple had a press conference to announce. I don't know what they really announced. They really just said this is the nature of phones. Yeah, they said everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. perfect, Uh There's nothing actually really wrong with this, but we're issuing you things to fix it. Yeah. But here's a free rubber ring. Yeah, to throw and around the edge. Oh, we'll have. Oh, but we'll have it fixed by September. Was the funny yeah. part? There's nothing wrong, but we're going to fix it by September. Yeah, what? whatever. <laughs> whatever, exactly. So you, you do have some of the hardcore people who have been very tried and true iPhone fans who are now going. I'm tired of this. Yeah. And now with the phones that have come out this week, mm-hmm. they yeah, are absolutely every right. bit as good, if not better, in some ways than the iPhone. I don't want to be. I don't want to get into the iPhone versus Android debate. That's a personal preference issue. But in terms of hardware features, functionality, there's a lot of places where these phones are equal or better than the iPhones. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the nature of the technology because initially, if you look at this camera phone market or this smartphone or phone camera market or whatever semantics you want to use for the first couple generations of this. Apple and AT&T with the iPhone really have been the only players that had a lot of features and functionality to them. But as the Android OS is catching up and I think has caught up at this point, it's going to become a very interesting landscape. I'm not sure where RIM and uh, Palm are going to – actually, Palm got bought out I think, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, HP bought them. That was another piece. There's another piece of news for us. So we went from talking about one piece of news to three pieces of news. <laughs> well, <laughs> not because we di- it's not show. because it's not because we digress or anything, but you know. But yeah, so so that was some news, and that and that actually kind of brings brings us, like Carrie said, full circle. Because um, one of the things you can do with these smartphones is you can go into photo blogging with these. And Carrie and I have both set up websites, and we're actually kind of have dueling websites, if you will, at this point. You can find Carrie's uh, camera phone pictures over at, what is it, carriesdroidpics.com? That's correct. Carriesdroidpics.com, where he's posting or trying to post one a day. He was out for a day because he was swapping between his phones. No, I didn't. I took one on the way there with the old phone, Was and then the next morning <laughs> I took one. So I actually oh, so he actually didn't skip a day. So it's only me that skipped a day or two. Yeah. I, I, I skipped a day or two here. I've been busy with some other things. But yeah, so we, that's one thing you can do with these smartphones is you can do photo blogging with these smartphones. And you can take a picture a day and you can upload them. And you, t- you hear about these 365 projects that people go into. And I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you set up these 365 projects? or how do Because we had talked about ways to motivate, ways to inspire, ways to get creative. And 365 blogs was one of them. And I talked about a, a 52 blog where you could do a, a photo a week. You know, and all, and all those sorts of things. And we a conversation that was on the Camera Dojo podcast, in case you don't know what he's talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. For those of you that don't have, know the reference, <laughs> this is the last time we talked when I was on Carrie's show, the, the Camera Dojo podcast. What number was that? That was that was three uh, podcasts 84, ago. 85, 84. 84 something. Somewhere in there. 
just go back to and look through the camera dojo hitch. But we had a conversation about that, about ways to get creative and the photo blogging uh, came up in conversation as a way to get creative. And that kind of ties in here too, because we are talking about photography and blogging. And I guess that's kind of a good segue, but before we segue in, I would like to give some special thanks to a couple sponsors uh, that we have on both our shows. One that I have here I'd like to give special thanks to is Red River Paper. Uh, Red River Paper is offering discounts to Learning Digital Photography or LDP listeners. You can save $5 off a purchase if you put in CB18 as a promo code on checkout. Or if you want, you can get free shipping on one of their sample packs by using the promo code CBSHIP. So CBSHIP or CB18 will get you either free shipping on a sample pack or $5 off a purchase of Red River Paper. And I'm not just saying that as because they're a sponsor. I'm saying that because they actually really do have good papers. I don't know if you've used their papers at all, Carrie, but they've got a polar metallic paper that just produces amazing quality. I just... The portrait work that comes off of these, talk about HDR photography. If anything looks really good with HDR work, it's this polar metallic paper that now, Red River Paper puts out. Are you sending the prints to them for them to print on that, or can you I'm, print on that with your inkjet? I'm, I can print on that with my inkjet. So, really? so I, Yeah, so I've gotten a couple packs of their paper, and I've been putting out a couple prints and giving to family and friends and clients. And I'd say nine out of the ten people – if I've printed that many in the last month, I have not done as much printing in the last month or so, but the vast majority, 95%, if not more have been nothing but enamored with this polar metallic paper. You can use it on inkjet printers. It doesn't have to, you do have to have the profile for it. And I would highly recommend getting the profiles because they really do produce stellar quality work. It can, I, I almost want to say it can make a bad picture look good, but I don't think any paper can do that. But there, it's really good quality paper. Stop over to Red River Paper and use the promo code uh, CB18 for $5 off or CB Ship to get free shipping on a sample pack, which I believe includes a couple sheets of the Polar Metallic as well. So thank you to Red River Paper. Uh, we'd also Very like cool. to give some – yeah, it's extremely cool. It's extremely cool stuff. Uh, we'd also like to give some special thanks out to Vanguard because they will be sponsoring the – a Learning Lightroom 3 workshop that we have kicking off in Anaheim next weekend. And who else is sponsoring it? We have Think Tank Photo in there that's doing some sponsoring. Smug We've Mug. got Smug Mug that's doing some sponsorships for the workshops as well. And, um, man, I'm drawing a blank on the other ones. If you go to Light... Lightroom yeah, we got... Presets. Yeah, we've got some Lightroom pre presets from uh, Camera Dojo, from Andy Smith Photography... Uh, she was generous enough to do some donations. If you go over to lightroomdudes.com, you'll see a page dedicated to our sponsorships. So we would like to give thanks to them as well. The other big announcement before we move into the uh, main thrust of the show here, which is blogging and photography, is a new ebook that's just been published by yours truly. I've put an ebook out, 49 Photo Tips, the sequel, which you can now get where I'm using uh, eJunkie. For fulfillment on this, and it's four ninety nine for this ebook. It's uh, forty nine photo tips, and I've gone ahead and ramped things up a little bit. So the first edition, if you purchased it or even if you didn't purchase it, it was basically a down and dirty laundry list. No explanations of anything, just category tip, category tip, gear, wipe down your lenses, you know that kind of stuff. Just very simple, very basic. Forty nine of them, dollar download. Well, I really ramp, ramp things up a notch, and there is our 49 photo tips. I give explanations. I give photos for each of them. 
and it's a, no, it's a very I, I useful say, resource. Jason, I, I thought you did a really good job on this. Yeah, well, thank you. And actually, I gave Kerry a free copy of it because he actually was instrumental in uh, helping me put that together. But this ebook is now out. It's ready for sale. It's four ninety nine regular through the end of the month if you use the promo code forty uh, nine tips two. I believe the promo code is forty nine tips two. You can get a dollar off that, so it'll go from four ninety nine to three ninety nine. So for less than a cup of coffee, go check it out over at CanonBlogger dot com on the main page there. It's the featured product in the store. Uh, download it. It's three or four bucks, or excuse me, four or five bucks. Uh, really a great, useful resource. I hope everyone likes it. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know as well, because I'm sure the trifecta will see further improvements when that comes out. Oh, I don't know, five, ten years from now. <laughs> There's a lot of work putting that together, so I'm really excited to have that out there. Go check it out over at cannonblogger.com on the main page. Buy it today and hope you enjoy it. Thanks. So that was it for the little uh, sponsors and uh, podcast announcements. Did you have any announcements of anything coming up on Camera Dojo, Kerry? Oh. There's so many things going on, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> Just like workshops, ebooks, contests. Oh, that's the other thing. There's one more thing. There's a contest going on right now where you can win. A free copy, full copy of Adobe Photoshop Lightroom 3. So this is the full retail version. If you participate in the contest, it's going on right now at Learning Digital Photography. There's a Flickr thread for it. So if you go to the Flickr thread and submit your photo, the theme is slick. And it came inspiration because Lightroom 3 is a very slick product. That was number one. Number two was the oil slick with BP and the gold that's going on. And we figured just wrap it all together and let's see what people can do with the subject of slick. Uh, I haven't looked at the thread yet because I try to hold off until after the contest is completed. So uh, get in while the getting's good. You've only got about two weeks left as of today. It'll be a little less than that on Tuesday. So time's wasting. This is a $300 value for the full copy of Lightroom. So thanks to Adobe for sponsoring that as well. Wow. That was a lot of sponsorships. We got a lot of sponsorships going on. Of Enough of the sponsorships. Let's talk about something free. You know what's free? WordPress. Oh, I thought you were going to say speech. Well, free. Well, speech is free too. <laughs> right to bear arms is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press. But no, I was case, talking about freedom to blog, or in this case, freedom to blog, which also ties into freedom of speech. So look at that. But what I was talking about WordPress. What WordPress is is this is kind of tough to explain because WordPress is rather unique in uh, in, in the way of websites. Yes, it's a content management system. It's a CMS. And basically what that means is WordPress acts as kind of a template, if you will. It's like a boilerplate template that says, okay, you're going to have a header, you're going to have a footer, you're going to have sidebars, or you can have no sidebars. But here's the basic template. And the reason why WordPress has become so popular is because it's really great for something called SEO, Search Engine Optimization. And basically what WordPress does is it takes all the elements of a website and it splits them out into its own layers. So if you're into like Photoshop and you can layer documents up, WordPress does to websites what Photoshop does to photographs. It puts things in layers. And so that means the content is on one level, the layout or design of it is another level, and then scripts and everything else, like the JavaScript and the, and the PHP scripts and all that, act on another level. So the search engine crawlers, like from Google and from Yahoo and from Bing, Bing, whenever I hear that, I just think Bing, I don't know why. 
But all these search, all these web crawlers that go out there, they can go out and they can find just the content. So they don't have to scroll through the scripts. They don't have to scroll through PHP. They don't have to scroll through CSS. They go straight to the content. They see what the website's about, and it works really well. So that's why WordPress has gained so much favor and popularity in the blogging community. Well, it's also real easy to use. It is. It's, it's, it, most of the web hosting companies out there have a simple system for installing it, and yep. then all you have to do is pick a theme and start writing. Yeah. Yeah. And on my host, for example, DreamHost, they have it. It's called a one click install. I don't know what they use on your system, but it's a one click install. It's free. It comes with hosting, and it just makes it super easy, like Carrie said. And I think that's part of the appeal of it is that it is so super easy. So I tell you what, let's backtrack just a little because we started talking about WordPress and this content management system, and that is, in essence, what you need to really get up and blogging. But before you can get WordPress installed, the first thing you really have to do, actually, even before that, the first thing you really have to do is pick a name for your blog. So for me, that ended up being Canon Blogger. For Carrie, it ended up being Camera Dojo. And you can pick whatever name you want. Well, not whatever name. Okay. It's, getting, it's getting a little trickier because I think they've run out of, or all the domains that are possible of, what, four words or less or something like that? It's, it's or pretty all... hard. Go ahead. Uh, I'll admit, it's, it's pretty hard to find a good domain name these days. But yeah. you just have to be creative. Exactly. Creativity and, is a you know, key. If you're, if you're using your name, if you're using Carrie Garrison Photography – well, odds are there probably isn't somebody with the same thing. And if there is, maybe you can go Carrie Garrison Photo or Carrie right. Garrison Imaging. Or Now, if your name's common, unfortunately, probably not going to happen. For example, my name, Jason Anderson, no way in heck. There's a baseball player named Jason Anderson. There's a basketball player named Jason Anderson. There's a football player named Jason Anderson. And there's a couple Jason Andersons that do photography. So for, for me, it wasn't possible. If you have a unique name like Carrie Garrison or Saul Jamanowitz or whatever, yeah, that's a pretty good uh, that your domain, that your name will be available as a domain or as a web address. So the first thing you have to do is get a domain name. And like we just said, that can be kind of tricky. But you just, like Carrie said, you have to be creative. You know, so just be creative. If your name isn't instantly available, you could do your name photography or your name photo. And then the other option that you have is um, you don't necessarily have to go with a .com. Now, .com is the preferred convention because that's what most people recognize and understand. But there are other dots available. There's .net. There's .org. Um, I don't think you can be a .gov, though, as an individual because those are restricted to governments. But there's the, the .biz, I think, is another one. There's probably, what, 20 or 30 different ones out there? Yeah. Yeah, almost almost twenty. Yeah. Almost twenty. Yeah. So, so so there are a couple options you have. You know, you always want to try and move towards a .dot com if at all possible. But if it's not possible, I probably could have done JasonAnderson.net. I hadn't looked that up because I really did want to stick with a .dot com. So um, that's the first thing you have to do. Once you've done that, and you can do that through anyone. There are a lot of services that provide uh, domain name registration where you can register your name for, what, 7 bucks? I think GoDaddy does them for $7. My host yeah. does them for $9 or $10 or whatever. You can, you can get discounts. They have discounts that go on periodically. 
And if you're ever interested in registering a block of domain names, when they go on sale would be a good idea because <laughs> they yeah. can get pricey if they can add up quick. So GoDaddy's one, DreamHost is one. Uh, another domain registrar is one on one or one and one, I think they're called. So there's a couple different options there. So that's the second thing, or the first thing I should say, getting your domain name registered. The second step is to set up hosting for your domain. And basically what that means is you have to have a place to store your content on the internet so people can actually get to it. And the hosting, there's a lot of options here. You can, you can go through a company just like one of the ones I've mentioned, or you can host it yourself. So if you're, if you're technically inclined and you know how to run a web server and turn it on to make it public facing, you can host your own domain name. Now you can't get, you can't register your own, meaning you can't pay yourself $10 to register your domain name. It has to be approved registration authority with, who is it? I can, I can, yeah. Yeah, I can that does that. So part of it has to go through a third party, but you can host your own if you want. Um, it does require a certain amount of technical awareness, though. Like I said, you have to know how to run a website. You have to, I would say you have to be proficient in Linux if you really want to do it right. You can do it on Windows. It's, uh, I don't know. Would you recommend running a website on Windows? Oh, I, I did for, uh, Camera Dojo used to run on Windows. It was just on a... Really? Yeah, it's just running IIS with WordPress. I mean, WordPress runs pretty well on uh, under IIS. Hmm. Well, there you go. Okay. Prove me wrong then. <laughs> My recommendation has always been to r run hosting on a LAMP environment. And for those of you that aren't familiar, LAMP stands for Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. And I think that's the predominant trend these days in hosting companies anyway. So if you're going with a third-party hosting company like GoDaddy or DreamHost or on one-on-one -on -one or whoever, Blue Sky, whoever your hosting company is. Who do you use for hosting, Carrie? Bluehost. You use Bluehost? Okay. So if you pick a company, it's likely that they will have a LAMP environment for you, and that will offer the one-click install for WordPress. Okay, yeah, so you've done it. It be called Fantastico, Simple yeah. Scripts. Most of them have some interface that you just go click, I want WordPress, and it's installed. Right. Yeah. There, and it's very easy. It's like, a, like Kara said, it's, it's a click. Ten minutes later, you get an email, and it says, sign in with admin, and here's your temporary password. Sign in, go change it. And it, it, it really is that easy if you do it through your host. Now, if you're doing it yourself, what you have to do is, well, yes, let's see. You have to go to... If you're able to... If you're able to do it yourself, you don't need us to tell you how to do it yourself. Yeah, okay. it's pretty complicated. You got to you got to go to WordPress.org. You got to download it. You got to decompress it and then upload the decompressed files and Set configure the database program. and all that. Yeah, there's there's tons of things to do. You, this is not a podcast about that. <laughs> this is not a podcast about that at all. So we're assuming that at this point you're pretty comfortable with how to register a domain name. You're, you've gotten a third party that you've set up hosting with, with your name servers and all that, and you've done the automated install of WordPress on your hosting company site, and now you're ready to do your photo blogging. Well, so, almost. Almost. Well, okay, why don't you take the reins and let the readers know what I'm forgetting? Well, then... I forgot then, something. Then, what, what did I forget? This point, you, at this point, WordPress will be up and running. It'll have a default theme on it. Oh, right, right, right. It's, it's ready for you to put content in. It's just going to 
be a default theme. So it'll be pretty boring. I, I, that, you're absolutely right. When I said you're ready to start posting, technically you are ready to start posting, but so there's a couple willing, of it. You may not be ready to show it to anybody. Yeah, don't tell anybody about that yet because you do want to you do want to customize it. You want to make the look your own. Uh, I've done that with my website. Kara's done that with his. And actually, what, since you're probably more proficient at the design side of things, I'll let you speak on that. So why don't you talk more about these themes and plugins and what they yeah, all do? There's uh, a lot of different themes that are available, and many of them are free. If you go to extend.wordpress.org, you can search through thousands of available themes and a theme is going to be colors and layout and images and different effects that are going to be prevalent what do the sidebars look like what do the menus look like uh, different color schemes and all that and some of them have really advanced menuing options or advanced admin options some of them allow you to change all kinds of stuff from within the admin interface others you just have to swap graphics around so there's there's all kinds of different levels there's all kinds of different styles but there are thousands of free ones. And then there's yeah. a whole set of premium themes from a bunch of different companies. And these are going to run anywhere from $29 up to about $79 for really, really good, complete, professionally designed themes that you literally upload to the site through the admin interface and activate it. And now your your site has this whole new look to it. Yeah. And so and it really is super easy. What Carrie's saying is 100% spot on. It really is literally a drag and drop scenario. You drag and drop it into your site, click activate, and everything changes over. That's how easy it is to install one of these themes, whether you go with a free one or a pro one. Yeah. Now, some I'm of sorry. them may so have go ahead. more customization opt- options than others. Some of them are going to be really straightforward. Others you may have to consider, uh, configure the widgets, which are going to be the components that go into the side, the different columns. Maybe you want pages and an archive list and a tag cloud and uh, a search box, and you can configure those types of things. And others allow you to change header graphics and menus and colors. Okay, we're back, folks. Sorry about that. A little technical difficulty there. Skype t- t- tends to have... We use, we use Skype a lot when we record these podcasts. It, it tends to work well for about half an hour to an hour, and then all of a sudden something happens with the feed or with the streaming audio that it just gets it really bad for... It its mind. Yeah, we're, one or both of us will just be like, whoa, what just happened? So we'll usually disconnect and reconnect. But we're back now, so apologies for the technical difficulties there. When we left off, we were talking about themes and how easy those are to install. You can also get people, if you don't mind me inserting something here, Carrie, you can also hire people to build a custom theme for you. And that's a third option. So the, ba- the, the basic option, the free option, is to go with one of thousands of different themes that's available through WordPress.org. And you can download those themes or activate those themes because it, it'll come with a certain number of themes built in already. So you can just pick one of the ones that's built in. Or you can go grab a free one from WordPress.org. You can buy a premium theme, like Carrie said, for anywhere from... 50 to 150 dollars but if you're going to be spending 150 dollars my recommendation would actually be to hire someone to build a custom theme just for you because that is unique 
And it's different. It is unique. It's different. It's your own look. It's your own feel. It's not a boilerplate template that anyone else is going to be able to go out and just buy. Because the last thing you want to do is go out, buy a theme, get your site set up and everything configured just the way you like it. And then three days later, someone else purchases that exact same theme. (laughs) So for me, I actually went with a custom built route. Um, For those of you that are fellow NAP members or for those of you that... um, no, Eric Burnskild, he's actually the one that I hired to help me with a custom-built theme that you now see on the blog. So one quick special shout-out to Eric Burnskild. You can find him over at Burnskild Media. He helped me design this custom theme, which has the store. It has the Flickr contest, all that fun stuff. has the workshops, a lot of really great stuff. And it makes it, he made it really easy for me to add and change content very easily. And I guess that kind of speaks to the plugins or the add-on features that uh, WordPress also has. So um, there's a couple of things here that we probably would want to initially mention as far as recommendations go on what plugins are essential. Because if you try and figure out all the plugins you're going to need right up front, it's going to be impossible. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's just there's just... Oh, too many. Probably, I would say probably hundreds of thousands of plugins to choose from. <laughs> I can't. I can't even begin to count how many plugins there are. But um, there are a couple that I think every website or every photo website needs to have. Wouldn't you agree, Carrie? That there's some uh, that just yeah, definitely everybody should have. If you don't have this, if you don't have certain plugins, you need to get these plugins. So, do you want me to go first, Carrie? Do you, you want to go? Go ahead and go first. <laughs> So, see, now he's going to steal my ideas from my plugins and go put them over on his site. I think, we, I think we're probably running most of the same ones. Yeah, we, we, we probably are. Um, one that I really, really like is WP Stats. Uh, this is from mm-hmm. WordPress. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Carrie's actually the one that told me about it. So if you go to WordPress.com, you have to sign up, and you have to get what's called a key. And it's, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. But you, it's basically you register your name with them so that – it can be uniquely identified with your site and, and WordPress.com is the, or, or WP stats is just that it posts statistics about your website. So let me switch over cause I'm in my Skype window right now. Let me switch over to my site statistics tab inside of my website. And you do this all from a web browser interface and it doesn't matter whether you're using Firefox, internet Explorer, Safari, Opera, pick your web browser. This works the same across all web browsers. And that's part of what makes WordPress so easy is because it is manageable from a browser interface. You don't have to install any special software on your computer. You can do it from a desktop. You can do it from a laptop. You can do it from a smartphone if you want to. You literally could do everything from a smartphone, from an iPhone, from an iPad. And Well, I don't know if you could from an iPad. Sure. It's, you can use the Safari browser. Oh, okay. That's right, because it's plus, not all Flash-based. they have a really nice WordPress app for iPad. Oh, do they? I hadn't played with yeah. that yet. See, I don't have an iPad. But uh, WordPress stats is a really cool one. You can look at statistics on a daily level, and it'll show you a, a chart for that. You can look at it from a week level, from a month level. It'll show you the views per day. It will tell you about referrers, people who link into you what your top posts and pages are. So it'll tell you which pages people are hitting the most, where they're coming from. It'll show you the current day, the previous day, depending on, you know, what scale you're looking at. 
Um, it'll say what search engine terms or people are using to find your blog. Uh, it'll tell you, um, which links people are clicking on your blog or on your website. And I, I keep saying blog, but I know people that use WordPress as a CMS system, as a content management system for an entire website. It, it, it's very easily configurable to be used for an entire web presence. And people have asked me what they want to set up a photography website. My answer more and more these days is WordPress just because that's how customizable it is. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see what WordPress can do. And it's, it's making things a lot easier for a lot of photographers who don't want to get into the coding part of a website. And you don't have to know code. It can help to know a little bit. If you want to tweak it. Yeah. If, if you if, want to be the one to tweak it. If you want to be the one to tweak it, it helps know a little bit of code. I would recommend knowing, knowing HTML probably at, to maybe an almost intermediate level. And HTML is not that difficult to learn. If you go to w3schools.com, you can get the nuts and bolts down pretty easily. So HTML is helpful to know. It's helpful to know a little bit about PHP and a little bit about CSS. Um, I don't know about JavaScript. I don't know no, how much I'd really. recommend I mean, that. you can – don't be – the thing is we're, we're not, we don't want to scare anyone away from this. You don't need – any of those skills you don't. whatsoever. Yeah. You know. It's only if you want to be the one to make changes to the theme or right. to how a page functions. Right. I mean, I personally, I mean, I used to have a web design company, so I'm very comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. I have never installed a theme that I didn't go in and tweak. Yeah. You know, I wanted the the header to be a different size. I wanted this to be a different, different color. Something. Or, right. So I'm, I'm always a tweaker, and plus it allows me to take a theme – that is just out Boy, there and it's free and everything and, and modify it. So it, it looks a little bit different, but I, I'll use that as a starting point. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great, and that, that's a great point is that these themes really, you can use them as is with very little changes or modifications. But if you want to change or modify these themes to make them your own, they do make really good starting points. And the mm-hmm. more complex the theme is, the stronger a starting starting point you have to go from. So it's always helpful to find the theme that has as many of the features that you want on your site before you go and install it. Because if you install a theme and it doesn't have the things you want, then you got to really go into seriously customizing or hacking it or tweaking it however you want to, or you got to go out and find another theme. So my recommendation with the themes is to try and find something that has everything that you want right up front for photo bloggers the big for photography bloggers, I should say, the big one would be the ability to easily upload and display photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way things are going these days, I would actually recommend using ones using themes that are jQuery based, uh, because a lot of times they were based on Flash, and with the whole Flash debate being where it is now, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to be available on uh, some computer or some platforms. I know. The iPhone and the iPad do not support Flash. Don't know that they ever will. Android is saying they will support Flash, but I'm not seeing it. any devices shipped with them Flash ready yet. Do you, do you know of any devices that are Flash ready? The smartphones? I, I don't think anything has shipped with, with Froyo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just said Froyo. For those of you that don't know, Froyo stands for frozen yogurt. It's actually the... Uh, acronym that Google is using for their Android operating system that's due out 
sometime this summer. I think it's OS 2.2, you said, Gary? 2.2, yeah. 2.2. So um, that's the mark of a true Android geek there, Jason. Yes. What, talking about Froyo? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's the geek in me. But getting back on topic, really, because we'd never diverge or digress. Okay, so or I'll pick like the next that. plug in then. Yeah. You, well, you take the next one. Go for it. I, I would say a plugin <laughs> that you should have on any site. Regardless, because if, without a, the websites being able to find you and index you properly, it's kind of worthless, is Google XML sitemaps. Mm-hmm. And this will build a special XML formatted file that all of the search engines look for. And that's Google, it's Yahoo, it's Bing, it's Ask.com. They all look for this specific file, which is a list of all your content in a specific format. And it will have categories and the descriptions and the titles and an excerpt of it. So when they're indexing your site, that's what they grab. And then they don't have to go through and crawl everything. It's much more effective. Much quicker, yeah. if you have the sitemap there, uh, it's really going to help you get indexed faster and noticed on the search engines faster. So that's just Google XML sitemaps. It's it's pretty easy to get set up up and running. And and like most of these plugins, it's usually very easy, especially with WordPress 3.0. This new version of, uh, speaking of operating systems or versioning or versioning of things, WordPress 3.0 just got released a couple of weeks ago. It's the latest iteration. It went from what was it 2.7 beforehand? 2.9.2. 2.9.2. So it went from 2.9.2 to version 3.0. Talk about being a geek. You know the version numbers for everything. Right back at you. <laughs> but they're, they're super easy with, with uh, the themes and plugins being where they are from your web interface. You can click a link that just says add new, and you type in the criteria of what the plugin is that you're looking for, and just look at the search results that, that come back, and you can click another link that just says install now. It installs it for you. You click one last link that says activate, and it activates the plugin. And nine times out of ten, you're done. At that point. Well, what's your next favorite plugin? Well, I was going to say some of them you do have to do a couple settings on, like the um, – uh, Well, even the, the Google sitemap, you need to give it just a couple quick little settings. and Yeah. Uh, which if you want to do Yahoo, you have to have a Yahoo ID. and mm-hmm. I mean, but it's, it's trivial setup stuff. Yeah, it's, it's nothing that's overly difficult. So if you're comfortable clicking your mouse and – doing basic uh, keyboarding, you can do most of these things. And that kind of leads me to the next one, because if you're going to be doing a photo blog and you want people to come see you, some people you want to see you, some people you don't. (laughs) And I'm talking about what we all know as spam. And we get it in our email, and there is something on blogs called comment spam. And for blogs, this is a uh, kind of a catch-22 for blogs that are starting out because you want people to come see. You don't want to really deter anybody, but you really don't want the, the, the comment spam or the link spam that comes back where someone comes back and says, great post, reminds me of this Viagra page that I read about, and they throw a link. <laughs> you know, and you don't really want stuff like that on your site unless you're talking about Viagra, but... I don't think most photography bloggers are. So that stuff that stuff is called spam or link spam or comment spam. And without any added on plugins or, or features, um, WordPress doesn't really have anything that natively blocks that. Well, unless you just either turn off comments or you set it to where you have to approve right. every comment. Right, right. 
So and you and you can you can go with that option. I know of several sites actually that have turned off comments just because it gets so tedious to manage it, like Carrie said. So for for myself, I've actually gone the route of allowing comments and I don't want to have to manage every single comment that comes in because it can get tedious. So I've adopted a couple approaches towards addressing comment spam. And the first one is called Akismet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's A-K-I-S-M-E-T. And I chose this one initially because it came with the installed version of WordPress with my hosting company. And it needs a key. It uses the same WordPress.com API key just to activate it. It's free to get, and I was using that for the longest time. And once the blog started, uh, I guess, growing in popularity, the comment spam really started getting out of control. And um, no matter what I did, I just couldn't get rid of them. I was trying to, because I was trying to block things at a really granular level where I was blocking IP addresses. And every new day, a new IP address would come in and. It was like I had to go in and approve or disapprove all these comment spammers when Carrie actually finally turned me on to one called Bad Behavior. And since I've installed Bad Behavior, it's gone pretty much to zero. Good to hear. So so, so, so Bad Behavior, yeah, and thank you to Carrie for that one. It's um, a really useful one. And I know you use a different spam blocking uh, plugin, so why don't you go ahead and mention yours real quick as well. Well, I I'd actually don't because I, my site doesn't allow, doesn't do its own commenting. I offload my comments to a service called Intense Debate. And so I install the Intense Debate plugin. I set up my account at Intense Debate, which is owned by the same company that sponsors WordPress. So you know that they're going to work really well together. And it gives you a whole lot of extra ability. I get an email every time there's a message. I can just reply to it from my smartphone and I can either approve <laughs> it, deny it, mark it as spam and, or I can reply to it and then it will approve it and put my comment in it. So I can do that right from my smartphone and <laughs> go from there. It, uh, I can have multiple moderators that can all get the same uh, email so people can, they can respond to that it themselves and you can have multiple people help manage a site that way. So that's what I use is intense debate. So intense debate's another way that you can go. Um, so that's that's a couple that we've talked about here that are required in terms of well, not really. I shouldn't say required, but highly recommended in the way of plugins. Um, did you want to move on to the third one, Carrie? Yeah, I'll, I'll move on. Um, if you're if you want to display images in your blog, there, there's mm. several different ways of doing it. Now you can either just upload the images right into the the post itself so that they can click on them and, and see them or just have really big ones. It really depends on how you're trying to do that. If you want to have more of a slideshow, like a gallery where you can upload 20, 30 images and without having this page that just goes on and on and on forever, hmm. I used to recommend next-gen gallery, except its player is flash-based. And, you know, with, you know, and it's a, it's a bummer, but with 3 million iPads and 2 million iPhone 4s and 160,000 Android phones a day being sold, I want my site to work on these millions and millions of devices. Yeah. And so I started getting away from NextGen, and I installed a plugin called DM Galleries, like David Mary DM Albums. And it's it integrates right into the post process. As I'm doing a post, I can say create a new album. I browse my local 
drive. I select the images I want. I say upload. I, in, I click the insert. It puts the, the tag right into the post. And now I've got this nice slideshow, which is not flash-based, so it works on every device. So does that mean you can manage that from your smartphone? I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> I, hey. I, I haven't actually tried uploading via DM. The DM albums I use on carrygarrison.com, which is where I do most of my the weddings and portraits mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So I don't manage that site from my smartphone because I'm working with Lightroom and things to, to process those images. So Does that have a plug-in for Lightroom where you can actually do an export from Lightroom to your site in that DM it does gallery not. folder, uh, hmm. but I just I export as JPEGs and then I use DM to just upload them real quick. Oh, okay, so you export as JPEG to like a folder and then just upload that folder. Yep, gotcha. Pretty cool. And then and what, and what was that one called again? DM David Mary. D- yeah, DM albums. DM albums. Hmm. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of sites that, are, that or a lot of people that have asked about doing slideshows, and I I found one that I just absolutely hated. Yeah, I, and then I, I won't vent on that, that again, but. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll continue that a little bit with the the one thing I don't like about the default behavior of WordPress is if you insert an image and then when someone's reading it and they click on it, it takes them to another page that shows them the larger image or it, it just doesn't – it's not very clean. I, w- I want – when you click on it, I just want it to open up and then you click on it and it goes away. Very simple, very clean. And there's a bajillion plugins to do this. Yeah. The simplest one out there is called Thumbnail Viewer. And there's well, no... Oh, you mean if you're just doing a single image? I thought you were selling yeah. your slideshow one. No, Sorry. no. If you, just, if you just want to put in images and so that when people are viewing it, they've got smaller thumbnails, they click on that, it opens into a bigger one. Very clean, very easy. Thumbnail Viewer, there's zero configuration. Cool. So, yeah, I, I've, I've used Thumbnail Viewer myself, and I've liked that. The one I actually have, because Carrie said there's millions of them out there, the one that I've used is Lightbox 2. And the reason why I like that one is because that actually darkens the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it dims everything else out as it brings the image up in full view where you can see the full size of the image. I happen to like that one. And, you know, as many plugins as there are out there for these different functionalities, there are as many opinions as well. So pick and choose, you know, try a couple different ones if you're starting a blog, uh, see which one works best for you, which plugin behaves the way you want it to in terms of performance, in terms of ease well, of use. Well, also keep, keep in mind, there's going to be some plugins like that that may not work with certain themes. Right. So you may need to know of a couple of them because you go, wow, this doesn't just, it just doesn't work with this theme. And right. so you have, to, you have to change gears, find a different one. Okay, that one works better with this right. theme. And um, well, I was just going to say it's kind of a dance. So, so, so if 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 you pick a theme because you happen to like the features of that theme, then you realize you want to have a slideshow plugin. You may have to try a couple different slideshow plugins before you find the one that not only you like also works with your theme. Then, if you want to go into an image, so you know it's a lot of trial and error kind of thing. Most plugins will work with most themes. But sometimes they won't, so it's not always going to work all the time in any given scenario because different developers that write these things write them in different ways where one thing will take priority over the other. And the way WordPress works, usually the theme will take priority over the plugin if there's any kind of conflict. Yeah, I mean, but I I think what you said, though, 
the vast majority are going to be compatible with each other. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't fret it until you have a problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't worry too much. Don't get too hung up on that. Try a, a plug-in out. Most of the time, it will work. If it doesn't, you may have to go with something else. And I guess that's what Carrie is saying is with the light box too, sometimes I guess more and more themes are tending away because I think that's flash-based, isn't it? Is Lightbox flash-based? I don't. Some of them are. And well, that's and you yeah, that's, that's why I have to be careful. Anyway, moving on, because we are getting kind of long in the tooth here in terms of the podcast length. We always end up getting long. I don't know why that is. Uh, just a couple more plugins that we'd recommend, or at least that I would recommend for anyone that's starting up a photography blog. Uh, the one that I would recommend next, because we talked about the WordPress stats. And I was trying to go in alphabetical order, but... WordPress came last, so I don't know why I did that one first. But the other one that I would recommend is... Where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Why don't you go next since I can't find mine? Where was it? <laughs> oh, here it is. Public Post Preview. Public this post is preview. this is huge. And I think you turned me on to this one too, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Public Post Preview is awesome. Basically, what you can do is you can write your blog post or put together your post or your your photo your photo image for the day or whatever it is you're working on and then before you publish it it will give you a preview link that you can share with certain people as like a test audience or like a test view so you can send the preview link to a friend of yours that uses an ipad or your friend that is using a droid x or an iphone or you know whatever device that you'd like to test it on to make sure it works send them that link they can view it because it's a private link and you're just giving them that dedicated link and you can test things out. It's actually a very helpful link because you can actually give it to people and it works especially well for me in doing the podcast. So when a podcast is going to go live and I've interviewed someone on the podcast, like I did with Rob Sylvan, like I did with Tom Hogarty, I was able to take that preview link and give it to the people before the podcast or the show went live so they could see it and know what's coming up. So it's kind of a neat way to share things in advance with specific people. It's public post preview, and that's written by Matt Martz and Jonathan Dingman. We haven't been mentioning names, though, have we? No. No. Okay. Never mind. (laughs) Public post preview. I like that. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. We use that all the time and say, hey, I'm working on this idea. What do you think? Here's what I've got going so far and bounce ideas off off each other to say – Oh, yeah, you know, hey, that's really good. That's uh, Hey, that's crap. <laughs> Change that, fix you know, that. You know, what are you doing writing at 3 o'clock in the morning? You know, those Leave me alone <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Stop bugging me with links. Stop talking about this or that. Go to bed. Um, Talk to you tomorrow. Okay. I digress. I think oh, look, probably... the squirrel. Yeah. Sorry. One more. We get one more. Why don't you do one more and we'll wrap things up? One more. Wow. One more. I know. There's, it's tough because there are so many plugins that are so useful. Okay, if so I had to pick one. one more, I would probably pick Platinum SEO Pack. And it's okay. even though WordPress is really, really good with SEO stuff, Platinum SEO Pack takes it to another level and allows you to customize a lot of metadata that's under the hood, descriptions, meta keywords, yep. the post titles. Uh, things like that so that you can really, really fine-tune your search engine, search engine optimization. I mean, I've been, all, I've been saying that phrase for like 12 years, and I still can't get it out in one breath. <laughs> search 
engine. engine. I just call it SEO. Yeah. It's easier that way. <laughs> so Platinum SEO Pack, Platinum. really good. And really, everything that we have talked about on with WordPress, all the plugins so far, are all free. We have yet to mention a paid plugin. And they do have paid plugins. Remember how we were talking about paid themes where you can get paid themes for anywhere from 50 to 150 bucks? Same holds true for plugins, too. If you're setting up e-commerce sites, for example, there are ways where you can set up subscriber logins, and there's paid solutions for that. There's free ones out there as well. You can use, what, to BP e-commerce. You can use e-store and all these different ones. Uh, there's paid versions for pretty much everything out there as well. So if you're not happy with how our free version is performing and you want to invest some money, there are almost always paid options available for you. Good point. So that was, so that was yours. Uh, my last one that I would like to mention is WP polls. This is another free one and it's, it's really cool. I, I think it's flash based though. So I'm not sure Carrie is going to like this, but it's a really handy way to, um, uh, publish polls on your blogs. And what you can basically do, uh, you'll see them on my blog because I'm going to be throwing one out there next week, but you can publish a list of things. You can even just publish it with a picture. So you can put a picture up and get feedback from it by virtue of the poll. You know, you can put the picture up in the poll. You can say, do you like this image with a radio button for yes, a radio button for no, radio button for don't care. Yeah, now you and, may not be using that on your personal site or if you're just posting your latest wedding pictures, but if you need to do polls, that is definitely a great, great one for that. Yeah. And I think I've used this in the past where I've actually asked readers, what would you like to see more of on the blog? We'd like to see more hardware reviews. We'd like to see more software reviews, you know, so you get like a laundry list of choices and it was made fairly easy by virtue of the WP polls plugin. Do and Jason that's very talk too long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, all the time. God, shut up and leave us alone. <laughs> Ooh, shiny object. Ooh, hey, look, squirrel. Go figure. Well, that's actually going to wrap it up. I think we've done enough. Ooh, actually, there's one more. Can I give one more? Oh, wait, it's my it's show. show. It's my show. Of course I can give one more. Go, one, one more. Go, Jason. Go. Go, Jason. One more I'd like to mention is WP Touch. It's an iPhone theme. Super sweet because if your if your theme does have flash in it, or if you've got features that can really crowd a website when you're looking at it on an iPhone, this plugin condenses everything down. So especially if you're running a blog, where it will show just the title for each blog post, and then the person clicks on the title and it opens up just that blog post. And it's a very clean, concise, nice way to condense things down for a quick preview on something like an iPhone. Or an, and it works the same on the Android as well. So whether it's an iPhone or an iTouch or an Android or a Samsung Vibrant or whichever, WP Touch iPhone theme, it's at version 1.9.16 now. So it's gone through a couple iterations and it's gotten fairly robust and it works pretty well. Uh, it's on, let's see, plug-in which formats your site with a mobile theme for the Apple iPhone, iPod Touch, Google Android, Palm Prey, and other touch-based smartphones. So WP Touch iPhone theme. That, I think, is going to wrap things up for the photo blogging uh, podcast for learning digital photography. We did have a couple listener questions that we wanted to get to. We're going to take a quick break, though. And when we come back, we'll tackle, I think, there were two listener questions that I wanted to hit in this week's show. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. 
Okay, for the final segment in this week's show, there were two listener questions that came up. Um, The first one of these was a question about aspect ratio, and this uh, came by virtue of the NAPP forums where someone had signed in and asked a really good question, said they were wondering about changing a 4x6 print, which has an aspect ratio of 2 to 3, and changing it to 4x5 or something else. How do they go about doing that, and what are the benefits and downsides of doing that kind of thing? Well, if I I don't know if you want to tackle this as well, but the point that I want to make about aspect ratio is it's really just referring to your image size. And he said, and it's interesting because he said he was taking a four by six print, which has an aspect ratio of two to three, which is correct. And if you do the math, you can figure out that a four by six is really just a multiple of two by three. So two by three, four by six, eight by 12, 16 by 24 are all a two by three aspect ratio and changing it to a four by five aspect ratio means you're changing it to an eight by 10. So the benefit of changing from one aspect ratio to another is it will fit the destination that you're changing it to. And basically what it means is you're cropping your image or adjusting the format of your image so that it will fit that new square or whatever it is. So if you're going from a four by six to an eight by 10, because they have different aspect ratios, they're going to fit different sized frames and a four by six. And I think those are probably the two most common frame sizes, the four by six frame and the eight by 10 frame. And what makes it really just mind numbingly frustrating for a lot of photographers is that it is changing the aspect ratio. So when you take a picture and you got it just the way you want it, it'll fit in one perfectly but it won't fit in the other without cutting something out. So you're going to, and that's the downside of changing the aspect ratio of your images is that usually it involves cropping. Right. Right. From one size to the other. Let me just throw this out there as well, because there, I've heard this many, many, many times that people think that a full frame sensor is an eight by 10 format. Where uh, <laughs> are you serious? The regular ones are four by six format. I shouldn't laugh. And they, well, I mean, I laughed the first time someone said it too, and then I realized that he actually thought that. Um, well, and it's, it's actually a legitimate question because I can totally see how one person might think that because a full frame sensor and a crop frame sensor do have different aspect ratios. They. Well, no, the aspect ratio is still the same. They're they're both four by sixes, but their their crops factor is different. And so you you if you look at the same shot with the same lens on a regular sensor versus a full frame sensor, one's going to look wider. So you your cropping in the end is going to be different depending on how you're trying to to crop that up. Wait and a minute. That's why wait, some wait, wait. Think that there's difference. So you said that the aspect ratio on crop sensor cameras is the same as the aspect ratio on a full-frame camera? That's correct. They're both 4 by 6s Really? I did not know that. See, look at that. I just learned something on my own show today, folks. And I shall oh. mock you as well. <laughs> Please do. I love being mocked by the people I invite on my show. Uh, but yeah, they're both 4 by, they're both four by 6s but I've heard people that think that sense, one was actually. an 8 by 10 form. No, that, and actually that makes sense now that I think about it more. Right. It's just... So. You have it's going to be a little wider, so you can crop easier unless you're 
now zooming in more. So it's just there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, and, and it gets really confusing when you start getting into that level of detail. Uh, I think the question here about aspect ratio was how do you change it? And the answer is to crop. Mm-hmm. And and the best way to do that, the, the technique that I've always gone by is I've always – and this gets into another little tricky subject too because one of the things I've always recommended is to fill the frame, which means when you're shooting a subject – Make sure that subject fills your frame. That's not always the case, though, and I don't always do that. Most of the time, I'm leaving probably a good finger length, if not more, around each size, each side of the photo as I'm capturing it in camera because I know when I go to print that, I'm going to want to crop that to fit either a 4x6 or an 8x10, and I don't want to lose anything important. So I'm mm-hmm. always – leaving a little bit of fill room on all the sides. And when I say a finger length, imagine looking through your viewfinder and then adding fingers around it and then either stepping back or zooming back or stepping forward and zooming forward so that you have enough play on all four sides to crop it down to the dimensions that you need for your purposes. Because if you fill the full frame, if you really do fill the frame with when you're actually taking the picture, if you go to crop it to a two by three aspect ratio then you want to change it to a four by five aspect ratio, something important is going to get cropped out. Right. So that's my recommendation when taking pictures, always leave yourself a little bit of room so you can crop down to the aspect ratio you want to go to. So anyway, that was a good question. Uh, go, do you have more? You well, want to... I was going to say, if you're using Lightroom, you can set the aspect ratio and say, I want eight by 10 and it will mm-hmm. show you a box that will be cropped to 8 by 10 and now you can move that box around to do your framing. The thing that always threw me in Lightroom at the first is if I wanted to move the photo to fit a certain way, it, you're actually moving the photo around the grid, not the yes. grid around the photo. <laughs> it took me the longest time because it would be like drug all the way to the left and I'd be pulling it left, pulling it left, pulling it left and wouldn't go anywhere. And I was, oh, I got to move the photo. So that's that's the one little thing in Lightroom that took me a little bit to get used to the gist of when it came to framing and cropping inside a Lightroom. But once I learned that, I was pretty much gone from Photoshop for good at that point because that really is cool. And the other cool thing about Lightroom now too is one of the new features is the X crop factor. Yeah. Where, where, where if you're in the, if you have the um, crop window or the crop tool active inside of Lightroom, if you press your X key, That'll flip between landscape and portrait mode. It'll go back and forth. It's very, very cool. And I can't believe how much. Like, I never thought of that fe- of asking for that feature. <laughs> but, but once I learned about it, I'm just like, why didn't they have this in on version one? This is so cool. So, <laughs> Do you have any features in Lightroom that you found that with where you never thought of it until you started using it? And that's when you were just like, I love this product. <laughs> I mean, that's that's definitely one of them. I mean, I, I use the crop tool a lot. I mean, I, I will often err on the side of zooming out a little bit more so that I can then crop it later, which, you know, I mean, I I always sit there and say, get it right in camera. But, you know, when you're flying through weddings, it's, it's mm-hmm. hard. So I, yeah. I maintain a safety margin. When I'm doing portraits and people are sitting and things like that, I'm going to get it perfect in camera i'm not going to worry about it and i'll do a combination of portraits and landscape modes and things so i you know i don't want to do as much post-production but so there's a time and a place is what i'm saying 
Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point is that you don't always have to get everything right perfect inside of camera because you're going to have to do some post-production, especially if you're in a digital world. Because in a digital world, you're not dealing with the smooth gradations of film. So you're going to have to do a little bit of post-production sharpening. You're probably going to have to do a little bit of noise control, especially if you're shooting at high ISOs. And a lot of us are shooting at high ISOs lately. You know, just because it's there, it makes things a lot easier. You can go more mobile. You can go handheld a lot more often. If you can crank the ISO, no, you can clean it up afterwards. Well, with Lightroom so. 3, we can shoot high ISO so much easier now. Yeah, it's just ridiculous how high you can go with that. So the other question that came in, and this kind of ties into one of our sponsors here, uh, the question that came in, this one came in from Ruth, and Ruth wrote in to me and asked, uh, she had just got a new Epson printer set up. Uh, she doesn't mention what version it was, though. But she wanted to order some paper, and can anyone describe the main difference between luster and glossy? I thought that was an interesting question. And then she also asked whether or not Epson paper was the only way to go, or can she also do uh, Red River paper? Because she's heard good things about that. So it's kind of a twofold question, luster versus glossy, and then Epson versus Red River. Uh, for me, for my purposes, I don't know if you do any at-home printing, carry, but for my purposes, it depends. Uh, the Red River paper is what's called a premium quality paper, and Epson makes premium quality papers. But the Red River premium papers really are, I would I would say they really are, 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 this is a tough one to say, they really are archival quality. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say museum quality. And, and by that I mean if you print a picture on these and you, and you print them correctly and you let them cure and you, and you let the uh, inks um, settle in, I think it's called I forget what it's called. It's vaporizing. It's not vaporizing. I forget the semantics for it. But you, oh, you let them gas. That's what it's called. If you let a print gas for 24 hours after you've, after you've printed it, then you frame it immediately. So you do the mounting and the framing. You get it in the conservation glass. Archival paper will last for hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years. And Red River paper is some of the best archival paper that I know of. So I do think there is a slight difference between Epson and uh, Red River with Red River being a notch above. Having said that, there's nothing wrong with Epson papers. Absolutely nothing wrong. They make some great papers. And I use Epson paper myself still in my Epson printer because Epson knows their own lines and they really can profile them down to the, what is it, the Pico liter level, whatever it's called, Pico square, Pico dot. I, I will say that I, I tend to uh, stick with the paper from the printer manufacturer for general printing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If I'm just going to be printing some four by sixes and stuff, it's not that important. I'm, I'm going to buy Canon photo paper for my Canons. I'm going to buy Epson photo paper for my Epsons. If right. I'm going to be doing my really nice fine art prints, then I'm going to get like Red River paper or something like that. Yeah. Red River, Hanamule, whichever one you happen to prefer. Uh, I do recommend the Red River. They are a sponsor, but they're a sponsor for a reason because I really do believe in their product. I think they have one of the best ones out there. But whichever archival solution you go through, I w and that's why I said it depends because like Carrie said, if you're doing really archival quality work where it's like fine art prints where you've got a landscape of a sunrise up in the mountains or on the ocean or wherever you happen to be and you really want to make that a fine art print that's going to be hanging on a wall that's where you want to use the 
high-end, fine art, archival quality paper. If you're just going to do a portrait, it's going to hang in your office for six months before you take it out and throw it out or give it to someone else or do whatever, or it fades because it's in the sunlight all the time, then yeah, I'd use the Epson manufacturing uh, standard stuff that comes out. So that was the first part. The second part was luster versus glossy. Do you want to tackle that part, Kerry? No, I don't. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, I guess I'll tackle luster versus glossy. Luster versus glossy is basically referring to the amount of sheen or shine, reflective nature that exists on a paper. And there are differences that um, are are pretty important. It, it depends on uh, – here again, I'm always qualifying my answers with it depends. But it really does depend on, number one, the manufacturer of the paper. Uh, number two, the absorption rates that the inks have, the kind of inks you're using, the kind of printer you're using. There's so many factors that go into it. But basically, luster versus glossy is really a variation in the sheen or the shine of a paper. And a glossy paper is going to have more shine or reflectiveness to it. Luster will have some reflectiveness, but not as much. So it's less of a reflection. And lower than that would be matte paper, M-A-T-T-E, which has no reflection. So it's kind of like a semi-gloss. It's, it's like, and then in the olden days, well, the olden days, 10 years ago, not even the olden days, five years ago, who knows how long ago, but it used to be gloss, semi-gloss, and matte. And now that they've been able to refine the semi-gloss, and I use semi-gloss with air quotes, you can't see me, but it, the semi-gloss has gotten more refined to where it's luster, to where it's it's a really nice quality. It's a really nice quality sheen where it's you're not going to get light reflecting off it. You're not going to get bouncing light from the overhead lights or anything like that, but you're still going to get more sharpness or more pop than you would with a matte because a matte paper is just that it's going to flatten things. It's going to dull things out, dull things out a little bit. Whereas the glossy papers and the luster papers will bring more sharpness, sharpness and more pop to your images. So that's my understanding of the difference of between luster and glossy papers. I guess Kerry doesn't want to chime in with his thoughts on that. <laughs> I don't do a lot of printing. So, so I, w I will leave that answer to the listening audience. If anyone else would like to add some clarification on that, you're more than welcome to do so. I think I got it pretty close, though. I'm I, like, like, like Carrie, I'm not, I'm not printing as much as I used to, but I've been printing enough to be at least confident to the 95th percentile with that answer. So for the 5% of the users out there that might know more than me, feel free to chime in on the blog or send me an email. Well, and oh. we did actually miss one thing because we, at the beginning, we said we were going to bring the conversation full circle and we kind of missed that part because what we were going to mention was that for all these smartphones, whether it be iPhone, iPads, uh, Android systems, there is a WordPress app available for free that allows you to post, upload images, oh, yeah. manage the comments, even check the statistics. And see, I thought you were talking about taking that full circle with the photo blogging that you can do from your phone. But it makes sense because you can also do the uploading from your smartphone with that WordPress application, which is free. Well, It's a free talk, application. Uh, let's, I mean, I know we're running really late, but let's just talk about our two photo blog sites. And how For those listeners that are still with us, we're going to take this long, even longer. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the, the fact is that we, we both have personal photo project sites that are completely managed via our Android phones. Not 100%. Well, mostly. Not 100%. 
full disclosure, full disclosure, when I set mine up, I set mine up from my computer. So I did the installation from my computer. I did the uh, domain registration from my computer. I picked the themes. I picked the plugins. Once I got all that content in place, now, yes, it pretty much is managed from my smartphone. Right. The, the content so. is managed from the smartphone. Yes. Yes. And Good point. The content is managed. We could run the rest of it by just opening it up in a web browser in the admin system and doing it that way. But like for me, yeah. I take a photo a day. I'm taking the photo on it on the Android device. I'm editing it on the Android device, device using uh, Vignette or Photoshop.com mobile or some other uh, app. And then I'm using the WordPress app. I write my little article about it. I upload the image. I mean, and then I upload the same image back to, to Facebook. And I do all of that from the phone. But all of the content management for my carriesdroidpix.com is done from the WordPress application that's available for the Android phones. For free. It's, and that's also free. So really, for the sole cost of a domain name registration and hosting, and you can get hosting dirt cheap these days. You can get it for 50 bucks a year. So for 60 bucks, you can do a photo a day project for an entire year. That's a, it's just, it's gotten so dirt cheap. It's, it's ridiculous. You can go through, well, here I am digressing again. I got to stop digressing. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Like Kara said, we are going along. I think we're going on an hour and a half now. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, for those of you that haven't listened to us talk in the past, we're going to let you know where you can find us. You can find me at uh, canonblogger.com. My email address, as always, is jason at canonblogger.com. Twitter, uh, cbjason for canonbloggerjason. And Facebook pages, you know what, I don't know what my Facebook page is. Because I manage everything from my smartphone so I don't bother to log in as often from the website. Uh, it's um, facebook.com. Uh, CB Jason, I think, or LDP podcast. I forget one of the two. If you Google Canon blogger on Facebook, you'll find me there. Carrie, where can people find you? Camerdojo.com, CarrieGarrison.com, and the same things on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow Camera Dojo at Twitter.com slash Camera Dojo and Facebook.com slash Camera Dojo. Or if for some strange reason you'd want to follow me on Twitter or Facebook, again, they're both Carrie Garrison. Cool. Oh, and one last plug. I said we were done with plugs at the beginning, but one more plug. For those of you that are interested in learning more about the workshop, are we doing that discount, Carrie? Did we say we were going to do that? We will do a discount. We're going to do a discount for listeners of the show. So this isn't going to be in the show notes. Yeah, if you've put up with this for this long, we're going to throw you some discounts by saying thanks. If you are signing up for the Phoenix or Denver Lightroom Workshop, you can use a special discount code to get another $10 off the early bird special. The early bird special drops the price from $99 to $79. You can get another $10 off registration if you use registration code. Carrie? Uh, it's, your, <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> yeah, but you're the one that's setting up the registrations. <laughs> well, well, how about, let's how let's about call it LDP. L- LDP you, 10. LDP 10. What's 10 for? $10 off. Oh, okay. LDP 10. There you go. If you use code LDP 10, you get $10 off the already discounted uh, early bird savings of 79. So you can get in for 70 
a dollar under seventy, sixty-nine dollars to go to a full-day seminar with me and Carrie, and that applies to the Phoenix and the Denver workshop. So if you're interested in signing up, this is only going to be good through the end of this month. So you have to use this code before the end of July if you want to get in for the sixty-nine dollar rate. After that. We're, I think it goes back to the full 99 after after July, doesn't it, Carrie? Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, actually, I think it's going to be with, after two weeks prior to the event. So oh, that's want- right. That's right. For, so, so by the end of this month, the Phoenix one will go back to $99. The Denver will still be available at $79 if there's seats, because we do have a budget limitation where we can only offer so many early bird registrations. After that point, it's two. Uh, what is it? Fifteen or two weeks, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. So I, it's something like that. So anyway, so yeah, for those listeners of the show where you're going to get another $10 savings if you sign up for the workshop, this part will not be in the show notes, so it is only for the listeners. Uh, thank you to Kara for stopping and doing a show with me. Thank you to the listeners for listening to us for this long. And we'll see you next time here at Learning Digital Photography. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Oh, I thought you were closing the show right there. <laughs> I am. That's why I say thanks, Gary. And you say thanks for having me or something thanks for, like that. Thanks for having me, Jason. Always always oh, a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure. I love it when he says that. It just strokes my ego so nicely. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone. Okay, we'll talk to you on. next time. Well, thank you, Jason. It's been my honor to be here. Oh, okay. Well, it's been an honor having you, Carrie. <laughs> no, no. It's been my honor. To be no, here. it's been. No, no. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you next time at Learning Bye-bye. Digital Photography. Bye-bye. Thank you.